Hey, I'm just going to do a quick introduction to this episode. I know some of you may be looking at the title and thinking, what the fuck? Look, it's not like that. Please do not get offended. Me and my guests are not here to talk shit about any race or anything like that. In fact, it's the opposite. My friend and special guest, Roderick Edwards, um, he's, uh, you know, I've had him on many times and I love his books. You know, especially the universe of every religion and none, how to overthrow a government. And, uh, you know, he's very informative, does his research. And, you know, there's been a lot of racial tension, you know, these past couple of years. If, if you, you know, just in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't noticed. But there's been a lot of crazy shit going on, like riots, um you know, a lot of crazy stuff. People are now getting offended and canceling everything because of racial issues. Now, I'm not going to get into that, but there's a lot of misconception about, you know, slavery and African history. You know, you could get conspiratorial and say it was on purpose. Maybe. I don't know. But the fact is, we're going to clear things up. All right. And Rod right here is going to tell me all about his book, The History and Future of Black People. And we're going to get from the origins of Africa and, um, you know, how they fought, you know, a lot of good stuff here. Very informative. And I hope you enjoy it. Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And the show starts now. Hey everyone, quick message from Tucson's Rising Phoenix Fitness and Defense. Help treat anxiety and depression with martial arts training and education. Develop the confidence, skills, and fitness you need to stay safe. Our focus is real-world self-defense tactics, practical and effective for everyone. You can find them at 4500 East Speedway Boulevard, number 4. Tucson AZ 85712 or you can call them at 520-838-1592. They are open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So hit them up. Learn martial arts, very therapeutic, and you can learn to kick ass and kick depression's ass as well. So um, hit them up. everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of screaming tree show i'd like to welcome back special guest author writer roderick edwards what up rod hey hey wonder when i'm not I'm not going to be special anymore how about how many episodes you have to do before i'm like oh that's that guy again 
it's hey, you're a recurring guest, man. That's something <laughs> special, bro. All right. You're the man. And uh very um, you know, your books, man, very interesting. I love them, and of course, that's why I keep having you on. And uh, in fact, last year we did an episode about your book together more. Uh, we got a little bit off topic, and uh, there was a lot of racial tension going on, um, as there is now. Um, we talked about that, and you also mentioned you were writing a book, the future, the past and future of all black people, right? The history and future of black people. Yes, my bad. The hus- the history and future of uh, black people. Um, and now that book is out and available, and uh, we're gonna get right into it, man. All right. And um, so, uh, as a white guy, well, well how do you know I'm white? My name is Roderick. How many how many Rodericks do you know that are white? That's true. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Rick. Yes, as a white guy, I'm a white guy. <laughs> so as a white guy, what makes you think you could write a book about black people? Well, one, I'm adopted. So adopted kids, again, we talked about the Together More, which is about adopt, adopt being adopted adoptees. So adoptees kind of live life on the outside, sort of observing everybody else. They don't really think of themselves as a race, as a, as a heritage, as a, as a culture, like you, know, you might be a, a Mexican person that's been adopted. You don't really think of yourself. You have no connection there. You almost don't even think of yourself, this is odd, but you almost don't think of yourself as a gender. You know, I'm not getting oh. into all that transsexual stuff, but you almost don't think of yourself. You think of yourself as this outside observer of life in general. So I believe that gives me a unique perspective because I don't come down with, oh, I'm white and my white privilege and white this and, and black that. There's not really any of that going on. And I think in general, if a black person lived in the UK, for example, and wanted to write on the history of, of, of Britain, even though technically, technically most Africans don't have really long history in, in the UK, they might be able to write a better and, and less biased treatment of it because they're removed from any kind of, uh, you know, special feelings towards it. That's a good point. Uh, so you're basically it's you're looking at it from the outside. Right. And some people say, well, you can't do that because you don't know all the details. And so, okay, again, there, I get that. And there's a part of, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be other books like this, but this book gives you a unique perspective. Now, obviously there should be other books just like this by various authors, you know, how, depending how, how they're touched and, and interacting with this culture. This is my perspective. Yeah, and I love how you do your research. I mean, you know, how to overthrow a government, the universe, like all your books, man. You do a lot of research. You put a lot of work into your books, uh, a lot of passion. And, um, you know, and for those, you know, that when there was like riots and shit going on last year, people were taking on statues. And a lot of people don't even know the history of statues that, uh, that they're taking down. You know, they're just mad. But... Right. um think this book is a really good book to you know get good information about the history and i love how you're very honest and <clears throat> straightforward in your book you even it, it mentioned uh you should instead examine whether you are ready for a book like this a book that is going to be direct and honest and look at all aspects of the topic i love that bro Right. And I try to, because I first thing somebody, if they, if they knew this is a white guy wrote this book and they see the title, and the title is purposely bombastic, just as almost most of my title, like how to overthrow a government is obviously bombastic on purpose because it, it catches your attention. And you say, what the heck is this guy saying? Mm-hmm. So the history and future of black people, you look at it and go, 
who who and then you flip to the back and you see this this guy who you think well considering my lips are so big you might think well he might be black i can't tell but anyhow <laughs> did you look at it you go okay this is a white guy and then you're like oh it's a bunch of bullshit you probably think oh he's gonna all his opinions and hear what he thinks about black people this is a bunch of bullshit but as you see it confuses people because once you get in i think i make a better argument for some uh black people their, their, their culture and their and what, what's happened to them and everything else did some black people make so I, I don't know if you've got how far you got into it but as you get further into it you'll see wow he's making a better argument than i've heard black people make for their own selves yeah you definitely do your research man uh, especially like uh, all the way from the beginning of, um, you know, our humanity, you know, from Africa and Egypt and the differences between them and, uh, you know, a little bit of misconceptions that people have about the origin. Right. Definitely. I, I don't doubt the, the fact that anthropology says that humanity basically started in Africa. Perhaps some people I've heard say that it started simultaneously in the Mesopotamian area, era, which area, which is uh, Israel and Arabia and India and all these places, of that whole region there. But I don't doubt that. My question is why, and, and, and I don't come to any conclusion right away, but why then, if Africa is the oldest place where humans existed, why didn't Africans branch out? Why didn't they build ships and, and go conquer other places or go explore other places? Why didn't they? And usually the answer by some Black people is, well, that's because the white man repressed him and they wouldn't let him do it. Well, the white man didn't come to Africa for, for millennia, thousands and thousands of years before they actually came to Af Africa to, to oppress black people at any rate. Mm -hmm. So my question still remains, why didn't they go out? So one answer might be, well, from a white person might be, well, because black people, you know, they just weren't that intelligent or, or they're primitive. That's not the answer. The answer is probably because they lived in a place, and it says it in the book, in a place that had it all. They lived in a place that was basically a fertile land. They didn't have any cold temperatures like you would, like perhaps in England or, or Germany and those regions. So they didn't have to build you know, really strong shelters. They had no reason to leave their area. So there was no desire or no motivation to, to move away and find new things and try something different. They, they lived in paradise for, for, for all intents and purposes. Oh, wow. So it's like uh, Adam and Eve they originate right and so you think that's why the vikings kept moving and raiding because they had like harsh winters and stuff well that's definitely part of it because as you as you see from whether you look at the history or if you watch you know some of the movies they make and stuff which some of us are somewhat true but not completely but yeah it was definitely they lived up in norway they lived up in the harsh environment where it was always cold where where the water froze over where they had to wait for spring to go vikinging what they called it so before they could go out and, and part of it was just their their heritage and their culture that hey we're 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 macho people and we're gonna go and we're going to show people how macho we are so and i'm viking so i'm i'm beating up on my own culture yeah and then um you know also another misconception is people blame you know white people for enslaving black people um, but my understanding is that, <clears throat> like, the 1450s, the Catholic Church gave uh, them permission to go on crusades and buy slaves from Africa. But why is there nobody mad at the church? You know, I'm just wondering that. Well, let's back up a little bit more. That's true. But let's back up a little bit more. What, what was going on, and I, I detailed this in the book, is the first of the first people to colonize Africa. 
besides obviously the Africans who were originate from there, were uh, Arabs from Yemen and, and Arabia, oh. and eventually outright Muslims. And they developed you know trade routes between there and their home places like Yemen. And so a lot of the original colonizers were Muslims and Arabs. Then came probably around the 1300s to 1400s, the Portuguese explorers, which that's the reason why Brazil is mainly uh, speaks Portuguese, if you didn't know that, doesn't speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese, because there was a lot of trade from Portu Portugal. So they came and they also colonized large parts of Africa. And as you said, the church did it too. But the, the thing is, the misconception is they, a lot of people have this idea that white English people from England came up in big ships, pulled up to the side of Africa's ports, jumped out, ran through the jungles, netted up black people, put them in their ships and sailed off to the new world and made them slaves. That's mm -hmm. not how it happened. There was already a slave market for hundreds of years started by Africans. Because just like any other place, when two people go to war, and one person, one group wins, they enslave the other group. They take all their stuff, they take their women, they take their children, they take their cattle. And that's exactly what happened in Africa too. And so you had one tribe winning over another tribe and then selling the captured people, first to Muslims, then to the Portuguese, and then to everybody, every other Europe, European that came calling. So rarely did, a, did the Europeans need to run out into the, to the jungle to grab anybody because there was already a slave trade going on at the ports. Black people selling black people. Just like the Native Americans, the Aztecs, you know, they would raid, you know, neighbors, tribes, um, you know, villages and fucking take everything, burn the rest, kill everybody. Right. This idea that everybody lives in peace and, you know, it's only the white people that are causing wars is ridiculous. It's it happens everywhere. It's a human, a human nature problem, whether you're yeah. Asian, American, English, African. Mexican, whatever, it's a, it's a human problem. It continues to this day. Yeah, you want to look at human history, you're going to see a history of violence, a long history. Mm -hmm. So what else can you tell me about your book? Well, we go through, again, we go through the history, as you said, from the beginning of Africa. We, we look to see what kind of Africans there were before um, the white man got there. Because a lot of times, histories on Africans, and especially Africans-Americans, always start with oppression and discrimination. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to present a, the black people or Africans as that person. I want to present them as the individuals they are, as the, as the proud people they are. So we try to look for that first. We try nice. to look at the Shaka Zulu, which unfortunately came more like in the 1800s. So he did have some, some interaction with, with the Europeans, but we try to look at them before they had exposure to uh, the outside world. And they lived, They didn't live primitively. I would say they lived simply because there's no reason, again, to build hardened structures or, or these, you know, long traveling vehicles like, you know, carts and stuff like that because they didn't need to go anywhere. It's all right there. But we look at that originally. Then well, we move along in history to see what happened after that. I never would have thought about that. They, they didn't need to go outside of their comfort zone. Mm -mm, because, again, they had everything right there. Now you look at Africa now, there's certain parts of it. You're like, oh, wow, it looks desolate. Because when we think of Africa, maybe you don't, but a lot of people, when they think of Africa, they go, oh, well, that's just all jungle. But if you look at some place like, for example, Ethiopia, uh, Antisababa, which is their capital city, if you look at that, I have a relative that actually went there and, and, and stayed there for a whole week with some friends, not on any mission or anything. They're just going to visit. But 
you go there and there's hardly any grass. The only grass you ever see is around the hotel that they cater to Europeans and Americans where they basically water the grass all the time. The place is a giant desert basically because it's been farmed and destroyed and all the nutrients taken out of the soil because now a lot of Africans will live in cities grouped together. They don't live out in, you know, in the, in the bush like we think they would live. There are some that still do, but not the modern Africans, if you want to call them that. Yeah, they have big cities now and stuff. Like right, Kent. and it's not green. It's not lush. It's not, you know, hey, there's bananas and pineapples and all kinds of stuff just growing right there for you to pick. No, it's it's horrible now. It's dirty. It's a disgusting place a lot of times because it's, it's just, it's not clean. I mean, you think... I, Arizona, I don't know. I've never been there. I think you're in Arizona, but I've been to other places all through the United States and just about every neighborhood has grass of some sort. You know, it looks lush. It's, mm -hmm. it's clean and to some degree. I imagine that's how it is in Arizona, even though it is pretty dry there. You guys have lawns and stuff? Yeah, we do. But um, like in the rural areas, like a lot of grass in the desert, it's that fucking uh, buffalo grass, that yellow buffalo grass. Oh, okay. But it doesn't so it does it cover everything or no? It's just growing in clumps. Uh in clumps. There's some areas where it's very lush, but some areas are just like desert. Now somebody might think, well, this guy doesn't even know what about Arizona. How in the hell does he know about anything else? Well, because I'm trying to speak from York. You're actually in Arizona. I've, have I seen pictures of Arizona? Have I interacted with people? Yes, I have. But I, I can make assumptions. So instead, I'm asking you directly about it. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> So my point is, is that the early Africans, they had all that right there for them. And we move along and we get to where we had the, like I said, the, the Arabs, and then we had the Portuguese and, and things like that. And then we eventually have the, uh, the, the slave trade that which was going on a long time before the English got there, before the Europeans got there, between the black people in Africa and the Arabs and Ye Yemen and some of those other places. That was that slave trade. It's called the Eastern slave trade. And they call the one that goes to America, they call it the Atlantic slave trade. Oh, damn. So it's been going on. It still goes on to some degree. And they think supposedly more sex slaves go on between the, the Eastern slave trade and the um, Africans rather than the Atlantic. The Atlantic slave trade was used mainly for labor, you know, to, to work your fields and such. Obviously, other things happened to them. You know, slaves were raped. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying that the main purpose was for working your fields whereas the main purpose for the eastern slave trade like the muslims and such was to have servants in your house and to have concubines in your house you know it wasn't for because they didn't have huge fields like they did in america they had you know they had their palaces and such they had their tents and such they didn't have all this other stuff damn i had no idea that's fucking crazy so now the question is why did this happen to black people why and I mentioned this all the book, why did black people take the brunt of not just, now that we're looking and unpacking it, not just the Europeans like we, we already know, but now we're starting to look at it. Well, damn, they also had the brunt of, of that oppression and discrimination and slavery through Arabs and Muslims. Well, why then? Why did why the black people get picked on? Mm -hmm. Well, the immediate response would be, well, you know, it's from maybe it's from somebody who's not very knowledgeable well, it's because they were uneducated and primitive and blah, blah, blah. And they're easy, easy pickings. You think that's a good explanation? No. <laughs> no. No, that's not a good explanation. Again, because they lived in a basic paradise, they had no reason to build strong fortresses, build, learn tactics beyond 
you know, basic spears. It wasn't that they're primitive. They just have no reason to learn that stuff. Mm. But we move into the 1800s with people like Shaka Zulu, and everybody's heard of Shaka Zulu. He's in the 1800s, and he he led his people to wars against the Europeans using nothing but spears and, and huge, huge ass shields. He was fighting the Europeans who were using guns, yet he he won several battles against them, even though they were using guns and artillery. Wow! Because he Holy had this shit. tactic where he he would they would hide, but then they would encircle the entire camp and they just get closer and closer and closer until finally that your guns were pointless you had to get your bayonets out and your bayonets against their spears are just equal you know level playing field that's so that's, smart. that's exactly so how he did it so you would just uh get close and basically ambush yeah. them right encircle them holy shit so again it has nothing to do with being primitive or being savage it has to do with and i may say this all through the book lack of technology and the technology not because you're stupid because there was no need for it not when you live in paradise that makes sense they didn't at the time they didn't need to fight nobody or go out and look for food outside of right and then the who they did fight each other but they fought each other with using the same basic kind of weapons so spears and sticks and they didn't Forged steel and all these, you know, fancy weapons that we have, they didn't didn't come to later. And um, in you know, it's funny how that tactic makes a huge fucking difference. It does, and I say this in the book. It's kind of interesting because we still practice that to some degree. We we limit the capability, the defensive and, and offensive capability of other cultures. For example, I'm somebody. Else. Oh my God, he's anti-American. But for example, for the longest time, America has tried to keep a lid on North Korea and Iran and some other places from getting any kind of missile technology or nuclear technology. To mm -hmm. me, it's almost comparable of us saying, okay, well, it's okay for us to have guns, but you're too crazy. You can't have guns. Well, you know, who says, That's you know, good, what if they want guns? Again, to be yeah. comparable to if the Europeans told the Africans, it's fine for you guys to have sticks and, and spears and, and those little things here, but we're not going to let you have guns. Yeah, that keep them in check. All right. Same thing they did to the Native Americans for a while. So for a while, the Native Americans has had you know, what they had. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing that happened in Native Americans. The Native Americans lived in a paradise. They were untouched by outside world. They had no reason to develop, you know huge carts and all that kind of technology just like the africans didn't so all they had was spears and and bow and arrows and things like that they didn't have forged steel and swords and, and our firearms they didn't have that so when the europeans came over with all that it was, it was hard for them to resist against that eventually they traded enough of those and they got them themselves and fought back a little bit mm -hmm. or they would so, get our uh rifles and then right. bash it with the butt of it <laughs> that's not right right <laughs> why are you laughing at that no, they, they would do anything they can, but their tactics, sometimes you, people always say, well, there's no, there's no, this, we'll go a little bit on this, but the second amendment, they'll say, well, it's, it's senseless to even have a gun, especially a military type gun, because you're never going to win against the military, even if you had a military, because they have missiles and tanks and blah, blah. Okay, that might be true. I get that. But throughout history, forces that have less technology, technological weapons have, have beat superior forces before. Mm -hmm. So, just like we said in Shaka Zulu. Now, ultimately, they'll probably be overran because ultimately Shaka Zulu was overran. Uh, ultimately, some 
uh, Ethiopia, which fought uh, the, the Italians twice. They fought them in the 1800s, and then they fought them again in, during the World War II. But they lost during World War II. They won during the first one. They lost during World War II, basically, because now you had the Italians using like gases on them and stuff like that. So, so eventually, the, whoever has the superior technology is going to win. And then um, also, like uh, you mentioned, in um, you know how we're talking about battles, and um, you know, uh, like when you mentioned how to overthrow a government, uh, the cattle rancher in Nevada. Yeah, Clive, Clive, Clive Bundy, I think it was. You know how you were talking about how people they're like, what's the point of having guns when the government has missiles and all these men? But I mean, that day, those guys, they showed the government what's up. Yeah, they had to back down because there, there were all kinds of people on the overpasses and stuff. Now, ultimately, would the government ultimately have won? Yeah, they probably ultimately would have won. But during that battle, they probably would have lost because the forces that the government had gathered together to try to kick this guy off the land was not comparable to the other groups of people they had that, that were there to try to protect them. So... Yeah, the government said fuck you, and the people said fuck you, and pushed back, and the government said okay. <laughs> so here we are. Maybe I mean don't want to advance too much the book, but this has been an ongoing problem in Black history. They they've never had the ability to fight back. Now we often think of you know okay here they are in, in America and here's a slave and he yes yes massa I do what you say massa and that's all they did. That's like they were too weak to fight back now granted they lived in a world where they where hell where the hell were they going to go let's say you did decide to fight back you fought back and you, you've killed your master and then you're on the run you got every white person on looking for you so there's that so even if you did fight back you're probably not going to win ultimately but i don't want people to understand i don't want people to think that the black people never fought back until the civil war like they were just waiting until the civil war. well we'll just wait until the white people free us because that's not how it worked <laughs> there were all kinds of uprisings before the civil war. And I mentioned those in the book uh, where, where black people or somebody have gotten together and got other black people with them and other slaves and helped free them. They even rode horses. They got guns. They, they bashed people's heads. They did whatever they could. Ultimately, like I just said, they're going, they were going to lose because even if you, even if they killed 90 white people, eventually the whole government would, would descend on them and, and wipe them out. And that's actually what happened. But it wasn't like they were sitting around waiting for white people to free them. They've been fighting their whole lives. Right. And there was even a time where they where uh, parts of the state governments passed laws where you could not import any more slaves from Africa because they had finally got the slaves in America kind of calmed down, knowing their place, quote unquote, you know. And then anytime you'd import it, somebody from Africa, the African would come over and go, Hell no, basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Hell no, I'm not going to be a slave. And he would rile up the other people and then they would revolt. Mm -hmm. So for a while, they, they passed laws that you couldn't in, import any more Africans. You could only have uh, the offspring of the, of the American Africans. To keep them in check, basically. Yeah, to keep them in check. But the problem is, is, here's the problem. It isn't about all white people against all black people. Because this is, I mean, just imagine, okay, I, I, I remember public school. I'm sitting in public school and, and I'm learning about the uh, you know, slavery and everything else. But imagine you're a little black kid and you're sitting there and you're hearing 
whether it's a white teacher or a black teacher, make it, make it worse if it's a white teacher, but telling you about how your parents couldn't sit on the bus, couldn't get, couldn't eat at this, this lunch counter, couldn't drink from here, blah, 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 blah. And basically that teacher's telling you who did that to your parents, that little white kid who's sitting right next to you, his parents did that to your parents. Oh, you're thinking, oh hell no. You know, no wonder you're going to hate all white people if you're being told that. That's very true. So we need that question. Did is that how it happened? Did all white people do that to all black people? I don't want to get too political, but no, it's not. There, there really is two ideologies working here. Let's forget a moment about political parties, but two ideologies working in America. And one of them says, you know, black people are here to service us. They're here and they're still doing it. People are still doing it. Again, not to get too political, but we had a had a political candidate who not too long ago said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yeah. How the hell, how the hell do you say that and not get shouted down? And so you put your you know tail between your legs and never see the light of day again. Somehow that didn't happen to him. He continued on. He, they didn't shout him down at all. He just says bullshit like that. So anyhow, you have two ideologies oh, here where you where you get some people who just want to see black people not as black people, they want to see them as people. Then you have another group of people who just want to see black people as tokens. And this is what I write in the in the book, quoting Malcolm X. He said, you know, we're tokens. We're being used as pawns. He said, Malcolm X said this in 1964 at the very height of the civil rights movement, saying that black people have become tokens and pawns, just being used by the white liberal in their in their quest to get votes. And I think it still happens today. Very true. Yep. Exactly. It's all like a, it's kind of like a tactic, yeah. right? A political. Definitely. I mean, especially when you get people all worked up about something or you, you, you tell them, Hey, if somebody doesn't see your blackness first, then they don't respect you. Like Chewy, I know. And I tease with you all the time. But I know you have a Mexican heritage. I don't know how much I don't both your, your mom and your dad is Mexican. I don't really care because I see you as a person. I see you as Chewy, my friend. I don't say well, there's Chewy, the Mexican. You know, that's not how I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and so there's a group of people who do think like that. And there's a group of people who don't think like that. And the people who do think like, hey, you're Chewy the Mexican, they will tell you, Chewy the Mexican, that if people don't see you as Chewy the Mexican first, then they're disrespecting you. Now, if you are gullible, you might believe that and go, well, that's not right. People should respect my Mexican heritage. And then you'll get all pissed off at people who don't first say you're Mexican. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I don't think you're gullible like that. But there are a lot of people who are gullible, not just black people, but all kinds of people who who, if you don't see me as gay first and you don't care about my gayness, no, I don't care about that because I see you as a person first, whoever you are. Yeah. Yep. I don't care what sexual practices you, you engage in. I shouldn't care about that. And that's kind of what the book is trying to get at. It's trying to get at the fact that you can continue to get used this way. And that's the reason why it's really not even about Black people. It's about people in general. Yeah, very true. And, you know, the gullible people... You know, they're they're being fooled by the media every day. Right. I mean, you've seen all, all kinds of reports. And the first thing I'll say, for example, that Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Wright, 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 who just got shot here in Minneapolis, which is causing the current riots. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that had nothing to do with his race. It's not like the, the, the officer shot him because, oh, here's a black guy. I'm going to shoot him. She shot him because she was, for whatever reason, incompetent and had out a real gun instead of her taser because she said, kept saying i'm going to tase you if you watch the video i'm going to tase you i'm going to tase you i'm going to tase you and then she shoots and it's actually a gun and she sh- she goes oh my god i shot him 
because she didn't realize she had a real gun out, which, which to me is silly. Why don't they have the tasers a different color? And secondly, I don't, I don't see any play in this that had anything to do with him being black. It was the fact that he had an outstanding warrant for aggravated uh, robbery, if I recall right, and that he got into his vehicle and tried to drive away, even when they tell him not to. I mean, the, the old, the old uh, practice, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword, will come to play, whether it's by the police or by another criminal, you will eventually get killed if that's the kind of lifestyle you live. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, so. I definitely believe in, you know, racism and... Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely happened. But that case was not that. But it was used that way. Yeah. Exactly. Just like um, Jacob Blake, you know, they're like, oh, this innocent man got shot in the back seven times. But I seen a video where this guy, he did research and uh, Jacob Blake had a warrant for raping somebody. And it was like class three or something, which means like penetration, like he rape raped. Um, And uh, so they went to his house. Somebody called the cops. They went to his house. And then uh, he the cops were trying to arrest him, because if you have a warrant and the cops get there, you're going to jail, buddy, you know. And so he was wrestling with them and fighting them off. And after he wrestled them, he got up and started walking away. And that's when they point the gun at him and they're like, hey, stop, stop. And he wouldn't. So he opened the door and tried to get in the car, which you don't know if he could have a weapon in there or what. But that's when they shot him. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying the I don't know. It's it's I'm just saying he should have just fucking listened to the cops. I hate to say this. I'm not. I'm not saying if you listen to the cops, you're not going to get shot because you could get shot. (laughs) But if you have a warrant, dude, and they're going to arrest you, just don't fight them. You know, hey, let me tell you about the number one daiquiri delivery service right here in Tucson, Arizona. Now, if you know anything about Arizona, you know, it gets ridiculously hot in here. Okay, like over 110 degrees easily. So stay cool. And you still want to get your party on, get these booze going, you get these frozen daiquiris, or you could get the non-alcoholic versions as well, or catering for the whole party. Yeah, they got amazing flavors such as a scorpion, which is strawberry, the Gila Monsters, grape, cactus jack, green apple. All these come with candies that go with the flavors tailored for each individual drink and flavor, you know, such as like uh, Lifesavers gummies, gummy worms sour gummies you know there's pink lemonade um there's uh there's specialties as well the like the zona sunset is there a spin on mango nada which is a mango slushy with chamoy and tamarindo candy very delicious that's my favorite actually there's the wildcat which is u of a inspired it's cherry and blue raspberry i highly recommend these these guys they accept cash app cash facebook pay uh, you can find them on Facebook, Desert Daiquiris. You can find them on Instagram, Desert Daiquiris 520. Or you can text them 520-261-6658. I highly recommend these guys. Um, if you've listened to my show, you know I love these Desert Daiquiris. Yo, the bar is open. Sit back. Grab a cold one and get ready for the news you didn't even know you needed. From the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. 
lock the doors and close the blinds, break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for Happy Hour News. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. Yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S. And it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S. And then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. Well, I kind of say something to in the book, though, because one thing we're talking about rights in general in the book, and a lot of people say, well, the Constitution, the, the Bill of Rights, that was written for white people, not even white, white women, but white men only. True that it was when it was first written, maybe they didn't have consideration of women or even black people in there at all. However, despite what they thought, those rights are human rights, the right to defend yourself is always a human right before it was even written anywhere. So much so, much so that even criminals like Jacob Blake and, and, and this Dewan, Dewan, Dwayne uh, Wright, they know that they're going to be put into a cage. And so they're fighting to remain free. They're defending themselves, wow. wrongly so, because obviously they're, they're criminals and they, they, they did something that needs to be punished or needs to be rectified or have real justice put to it, towards it because they did something to somebody against the law. However, they understand the, the natural human right of defending self. I love that, bro. That's, mm-hmm. that's deep. And so that right really, imagine now the innocent person, the person who has done nothing wrong and all they want to do is live life, go to work, take care of their family, blah, blah, blah. And now we have a government that tells them, you're not allowed to defend yourself. You know, so I'm not trying to get, uh, soapbox on the second amendment i'm talking about general you're not allowed to defend yourself you just have to give up your rights if a cop comes to you and says you're going to jail you just you just have to go to jail well most people are going to say that's bullshit i have the right not to go to in a cage mm-hmm. as an innocent person and then so again guilty people also understand this and they they fight against it so they don't want to go to in a cage either Wow, that's very true. So again, the book talks about how the how the Bill of Rights and the Constitution apply even to black people, even if it wasn't written for them, it applies. To them. For example, one of the first parts in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence is, and I'm paraphrasing here now because I don't have it right before me, but when the people finally come to a situation where they realize the, the, the forces that are over them, the government that's over them, is no longer for their own interest, they have the right to change the government. 
that applies not just to white people, not just to white men. It applies to everybody. Anytime you have a government of any sort or any kind of authority over you and it no longer represents you, you have a human right to overthrow that and, and change that and put something else in place, whether it's through voting, that's also a way of overthrowing, or actual violent overthrow. I don't care how it's done. You do have the right to do it. Whether you're actually successful at it, one thing or another, but you do have the right to do it. We the people. Right. And so when black people said, finally, enough's enough, and it wasn't just during the Civil War, but all through their history, enough's enough. And I'm not so certain. Are we done with that? And if we're not, then if I mean, they're still trying to overthrow so-called white culture that's that they think suppressing them. What's going to be the result? We move into that a little bit in the book, too, as well. What would be the result if if the majority of the black people in America don't like the system we live in, the so-called systematic racism of the government and all the institutions of America, how do we fix that? When do we know it's been fixed? I'm, I'm now I'm kind of asking rhetorically a black person, how, how do we know that? When I say so, <laughs> when is that? When I'm in chains, when I'm dead, when is it? Yeah. Holy shit. That's a good question. So wow, we dude, get into that in the book a little bit. So again, I, I take up the argument for, uh, for the black mind in this book, probably again, hopefully better than some black people have put it in words. Cause I get yeah. it as, look, a, as a human being. You look at it from all angles. Yeah. Cause again, I'm adoptee. So I had no identity. I, they wouldn't even tell me who the hell I was for 50 years. I didn't even know who I was. Talk about not knowing your rights or not having any rights. I wasn't even allowed to know who I am. You know, you can't know where, who your name is. You can't know who your mom is. You can't know who your dad is. You can't even know where you came from. You just shut up and live your life as quiet as you can in the corner and, and, and do what you're supposed to do. Wow, dude. Basically, that's what they told me. So to, to some degree, I get that. You just want to jump up and say, shut the... We can, we can say the F word on the show because it's a screaming, chewy show. Shut the fuck up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's... A, I get that. But I do not get, and I don't, I guess I do get, but it's just stupid. It kind of dilutes it. I do not get the whole, you know, no justice, no peace. And the first thing you do is go loot a liquor store or, or a shoe store or TV store. That, that's not saying that at all. Yeah, it is. Rich white people. But you don't know. Matter of fact, in the last couple rights, black businesses, black owned businesses got trashed as well. Oh, yeah. You know? So. And they have no insurance because uh, the, what is it? Uh. Yeah, and that act of God or or or, or right, you, your insurance doesn't cover that. Yep, yep. Uh, what's yep. It called? I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called, but I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The insurance doesn't cover that if there's uh fuck, I forgot. But it's basically writing. A lot of insurance don't cover that. For- yep. Which is sad. You know, they're destroying their own communities, but yeah, you know, then people don't move back in there because because I mean, why would you want to? Because you're already taking risk. Because we always hear uh, black activists going, we need to invest in the black community and, and only buy from black businesses. Okay, then somebody somebody believes that a black business person, so they open their hair salon or whatever the hell they open up in this black neighborhood, and this shit happens to them. And then yeah. they say, fuck that, and I'm getting out of here. I'm going someplace in a in a multiracial neighborhood where at least hopefully my store is not going to get burnt down every time you guys get pissed off about something. Yeah. And then now, now your neighborhood's even more of a ghetto than it was before. Yeah. So. Yeah. And no police because they burned down the. Pre- mm-hmm. 
So backing up a little bit, right after the Civil War, we already talked about how the Civil War, before the Civil War, Black people were rebelling. They were fighting back. They just, they never could ultimately win because there's just not enough. But we get to the Civil War and that's fought, we all understand that was fought, not just, the Civil War wasn't just about slavery, just so people understand. It was about a, a federal government, a centralized government in Washington, D.C., telling states what they can and can't do. You know, it's sort of like if right now uh, the federal government told states, hey, you have to let in illegal immigrants into your borders and into your state. And the state said, hell no, we're not doing that. And the federal government said, yes, you are. And then the, and the state said, no, well, then guess what? We're no longer part of America. You know, we're, we're, we're seceding. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened in the Civil War. Yes, it was over the issue of, of slavery, but that wasn't the main reason. The main reason was the federal government was telling the state what to do. And according to how the government was, America was set up, states had complete sovereignty and independence to some degree to do what they wanted to do. But now that's definitely not the case now. Our league can get away with it. So anyhow, so we move in. The Civil War happens. We all know the end result. What happened, though, is that the federal government didn't have a plan. Because I don't even think they necessarily wanted to free the blacks. They just kind of used them, again, as tokens. Okay, well, if we can get a bunch of the southern blacks on our side, we can, we can beat the Confederates. So we'll tell the blacks they're free. And when they're free, they'll fight for us, and then we'll eventually win. Okay, that tactic worked. But the problem is, is now you have all these free blacks who... The only education they have is picking cotton and working in the field. They have no other education. And now they're moving up to the northern states and they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. They're starting to live in these ghettos and these little shacks and everything else. You have no plan what to do with them. So there was no plan to incorporate all these massive black people into society. And so you have that going on for 150 years from 1860, whatever, five, all the way to you know, now even to some degree, but not so much now, I'd say at least by 1930s, black people who didn't know where they fit on fit in and they didn't have the education because they didn't have an education or skills to, to do anything about it. Damn. And so when we look at black people, we can't say those black people, they're just dumb. Well, you're coming off 150 years of, of slavery and non-education with only one skill set and you're blaming them, really? Mm-hmm. And that was a tactic to uh, to not teach them because knowledge is power, just like right. how we don't want them to have weapons. Exactly. And that's when you get, I mentioned that, we, we joked about that one time in one of our previous shows about the Black Panthers, but the Black Panthers, one of their main uh, points of, of, of action was they wanted to own guns. Not mm-hmm. so they could go out and just shoot white people randomly. They wanted to own guns because it was their Second Amendment right that they wanted to take up. I have a right as an American citizen to own a gun and defend myself. And that's what long, a lot of times the Black Panthers said. And so it really scared a lot of people to see Black people with guns, rifles, and pistols showing up at schools and things like that to ensure that Black people had the same rights as white people. Mm-hmm. It uh, really gets the point across. Yeah. They couldn't say much about it because there it is, right in the right in the Constitution, that you know, right to bear arms. Yeah, gotta love it. Mm-hmm. And um, they're actually, you know, how they're trying to take that from us. But uh, here in Arizona, our government, our state said, "Nope, you're not taking our guns." Yeah. Now, again, if, if the federal government changes their mind, and tries to come in there. What, this could be another flashpoint. If the government, the federal government says, uh, yeah, 
we do have the right to take your guns. Your state government said, uh, no, you, you don't. And now we're seceding. It could happen. Yeah. Scary then, times. Right. So we continue moving in through the history. Now we're basically up into, well, let me back up a little. So right after the Civil War from, let's say, 1865, through 1890 we'll put it that so 30 years basically for those for that time frame there was what it was called reconstructionism what it was is, is there was some plan at least to incorporate some black people back into society not a not a big enough plan i don't believe because obviously it didn't work too well but you had 21 black congressmen because we often think of oh black people had no rights all the way until 1964 which is bullshit we had 21 black congressmen from 1865 to 1890 that were actually in our government, federal government. They weren't just oh. light-skinned black people. They were black people. I mean, people you know, oh, that's no doubt that's a black guy, that kind of black guy. Because I know sometimes we have guys, is that a black guy or is that a white guy? Oh, yeah, I guess he's a black guy. Like, was it Kamala Harris? Is she black or is she not black? I don't know. Right. But anyhow, so you had these guys that were definitely not, not white. They were black and they were working in the government. So what happened after 1890, you had the somewhere between there, you had the Democrat Party, the, the Klan, and you had the so-called Jim Crow laws, which really scared the crap out of a lot of black people because they were lynching people and they were killing their families and everything else. So black people pulled back. They thought they were going to be allowed to be part of society. But when they realized, well, we still can't, even though they were free, they pulled back and kind of kind of, you know, just focused on themselves, their own communities. Mm -hmm. and they they pulled out of government they pulled out of all kinds of stuff they started doing their own thing until the 1930s when you had fdr i don't know if you know who this guy the federal franklin delano roosevelt delano roosevelt no oh, yes yeah, he was a president right yeah he's in a wheelchair and he i think he had polio and and he was in office for 16 years rather than the, the, the limited eight years because he was the only president at that time till they changed it so he's in office for 16 whole years. But anyhow, he had this tactic where he would appeal to, because this is when the, the, the Great Depression was going, he'd appeal to poor white people and poor black people to get their votes because black people could vote. After, after, after the Civil War, black people did have the right to vote. It, made, it was made difficult a lot of times, but they were allowed to vote. So anyhow, he appealed for the vote. And this is when the so-called switch in the parties happened. Oh, people always say it happened in the 60s, but actually, if you look at history, Black people voted all Republican until the 1930s. Then they started voting Democrat because FDR was a big Democrat, was in there 16 years and promised all kinds of stuff and did do some, some things. He gave us a lot of his social programs and Black people started voting in mass for Democrats. Oh. It didn't happen in the 60s. It's true that in, 19, in the 1960s, during Nixon's era, they, there was a, a, an advisor to Nixon who said, you know what, what we should do, and I'm paraphrasing here, we, we should go ahead and try to get the, the white vote down in the South. What we need to tell them is uh, that black people are going to vote Democrat. And so if they vote Democrat, they, that the white people should all vote Republican. It didn't work, first of all. It didn't win that because of that. And it actually backfired because now every time we look at a white uh, uh, or any kind of white politician Republican, the first thing we think is, oh, he's a rich white racist. I mean, that's, right. a, that's, a first, that's the first thing you think. They've been painted that way, even though it's not true. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to go through this whole scenario so you can see how we got to the, the stage we are now. How we get from the, the Republican Party freed the Black people, which lots of people think, to 
the Republicans or black people were mainly Republicans to black people, mainly de Democrats and black people only Democrats for the most part now. How do we get to that point? And I just showed you here. To how uh, now politicians say you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll still vote for them. I don't get that. Mm -hmm. You still vote for them. So he even said the same politician said something to the effect I'm paraphrasing here that uh, it's different in the the in the black community that isn't in the Hispanic community. The Hispanic community is more organized than the black people are. Something to that effect. Oh yes, yes. I'm like, what the hell? How does he get away with this? If any Republican said that, they would say, they would say he must have a Klan hat on when he said that bullshit. But somehow, well, it gets a pass because he's a Democrat. Historically, it's sort of like it'd be it would be like the Nazi Party, a new Nazi Party, not the old one. A new Nazi Party coming up and say, hey. We're the new Nazi party. We, we love Jews now. I don't care how much you say you love Jews now. If you're called yourself the Nazi party, you're still wrong. The yeah. Democrat party had, had long been the party of the racist and is still the party of the racist, but a in a different way. Damn. And I think what happens is you get the Republican party. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a champion for Republicans. I'm trying to show the difference between ideology here, by the way. So nope, don't anybody misunderstand me, but you have... The, the mindset of, of a lot of Republican people that is, I just want to see people as people. And a lot of times, the only thing that Republicans care about is how can I, not because they're greedy and rich, but how can I sustain myself with money? You know, Republican people, I'm not talking about politicians. How can I sustain my house? How can I sustain my car? How can I sustain my family? I just want a good job. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to get involved in, in some kind of agenda or cause or, or go downtown and write for some bullshit. I just want to live my life quietly right here. And so those people are painted as non-caring. You don't care about anything. You just care about yourself. You're selfish. No, they don't want to see you as all that bullshit. They don't want to get involved in that. They just want to live their life quietly. To me, that's an admirable goal. But instead, they're called racist and non-caring if they don't get involved. Whereas a Democrat politician or activists will go, oh yeah, they don't care about you. You got to get up there and fight black people, white people, Chinese people, green people, blue people, Hispanic people, taco eating people, you know, whatever. Get up there and fight. They're always getting people to fight and get upset about shit. Tacos lives matter. Yeah, taco lives matter. And to me, it seems like at some point somebody needs to say, damn, I'm being played. Like Malcolm X said in the book over and over. You're being a token. You're a token. You're just something that's being used. Quit it. Mm -hmm. And right. one way to stop it is that, you know, in the media, instead of white cop shot black guy, just put cop shot guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first thing we asked, uh, who was white and who was black? Because we've been conditioned that way. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So... And um, so your book is also available in uh, audiobook as well, right? It's coming out in audiobook soon. I have this guy. He sounds like Morgan Freeman. It's great. I actually, this is one book I'd almost encourage people to listen to the audiobook before they even get the, because he just does such a great job and his inflections on it and everything else. Um, hopefully it'll come out here in the beginning of uh, May, I hope, and just look for it. But uh, one more thing then. So we get to the end of the book and we talk about, did you watch ever watch the movie Black Panther? Oh yeah. Wakanda forever. Yeah. The Wakanda forever. So basically Wakanda in the movie is this reimagined uh, culture in Africa where basically they've lived in secret all these 
thousands of years and, and they're the most technologized. They even have floating, like, I don't know if they're spaceships. I don't know if they go out in space, mm-hmm. but they're, they're basically hovercrafts. Yeah. They have all this, all this high tech technology that they've hidden. They make themselves look like they're just poor little, you know, African uh, dwellers with their spears and stuff when they actually have all this high tech bullshit. So the interesting part about that, and I mentioned all that stuff in the book and I talk about it and, and I talk about how the fact that uh, Aiken, Akon, the um, musician, you're familiar with him. He's mm-hmm. the guy. Yep. Used to- oh, yeah. He, he's helped a lot of people in uh, Africa. Yeah. And he uses auto-tune all the time. He uses auto-tune. <laughs> I don't have auto-tune, but anyway, he uses that auto-tune all the time. He gives his voice to sound differently. Kind of sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks a little bit. But anyhow, <laughs> he is, is trying to fund a Wakanda-like city uh, called Akon City in Senegal. Oh. Yeah, fuck? he's trying to he's trying to actually bring it to pass. So well, that's fucking nuts, dude. And it's not the first time a group of black people have. I think you might have seen this. It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think it's called the Greenwood District. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a group of black people, uh, uh, businessmen, got together and bought and kept buying into this one region. They built like I mean, it wasn't just wasn't shacks or anything like that. It was actual full-fledged modern cities with barber shops and offices and dental offices and all. This. And it was all basically just all black owned. But at some point there, some white guy was, or black guy was accused of raping some white girl or doing something to her. And, and so the white surrounding people burnt down the city. They even flew planes over the city and dropped like firebombs and shit on the city, private planes and burnt down their, this all black city. Oh my God, that's fucking. So it's not the first time. Yeah, yeah. But the reason, what's happened though, and this is one other thing we need to realize, desegregation has not actually helped black people to some degree. Because as soon as desegregation happened, this city that I'm talking about, this Greenwood district, it never did recover because nobody. It was there was no reason for it to be a unique black city anymore because you could just move anywhere you wanted to. Oh. So desegregation is just. For example, we always think of oh the. the Look at the that brave little black girl. You like you see pictures of the brave little black girl entering this the school for the very first time in 1960s. Do you think that little black girl wanted to go to that school? I bet she didn't have. I bet she would rather have gone to the school that she was in her own na- damn neighborhood. Instead, her parents or somebody forced her to go to this school with a bunch of strangers, whether they're black or white, that she didn't know who the hell they were, and and just did all that stuff to her. Mm-hmm. Now segregation but desegregation at least by force i don't think was the answer and still not the answer even malcolm x we talk about that in the book malcolm x believed that black people should should work for black people whereas the the alternate uh scenario was the martin luther king jr concept which he believed uh integration with american society at all cost so you had two different competing ideologies going here between the malcolm x and and then martin luther king and all that is packed in this book fucking amazing rod (laughs) You just for 120 work. pages, because some people look at it, 120 pages? How the hell can you talk about Black history in 120 pages? Well, I think just on this little podcast that we did here, we packed in a whole bunch of history, and, and that's just barely touching the surface of what's in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's so much depth to it. I mean, uh, yeah. it takes a long time to... And I'm, I'm, I'm eager for other people to write bigger books than this, but I'm, I'm doing when I write my books is trying to get to the person that doesn't really like to read a lot. He's just like, okay, I can read this book. It's only 100 and some odd pages. I'll get through this. But if you see a 400-page book, you're like, oh, hell, I'm never going to read that, no matter how interesting it is. 
Yeah, and like 100 pages, that's like a, what, like two-hour read? Two-hour read and get the audio when it comes out. That's two hours of, of him, and you could just listen to 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there and take it through the whole thing. Yeah, and, you know, I work 10-hour shifts, and uh, I love listening to audiobooks because, you know, I could work and listen to it at the same time. And um, you do a great job at picking people to read your audiobook. You know, just like the universe, that guy was perfect for it, bro. I appreciate that. You know what? That guy is uh, John Ashton Nickerson. That's the name of the guy for universe. I'm afraid he has passed away. I can't find him. Oh, no. Yeah, I used to be in constant contact with him. And he was he was eager to do other books. And then suddenly, he, I mean, he was an elderly gentleman. So he might have passed away. I'm still trying to, trying to validate oh. or verify that. Yeah, that was perfect. And then, of course... How to overthrow government. Yeah, we have the oh my God. Have English guy there, British guy. <laughs> I say, what you should do is get your little red coat on, go over here. That's my bad English accent. <laughs> Don't get mad at me, Radisson. I, I can't pull it off like you do. Oh, he does it great, man. Yeah, he's not, uh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's not even British. He's uh, oh, really? Oh, my God. The Bulgarian? Yeah, Bulgarian. For some reason I want to say Romanian. He'll piss me off now. Probably get probably take me off his friend list. She just remember because he said he was in the I think Bulgarian special force. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a badass. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a little sweet boy when you look at him because he's all you know <laughs> primp and you know looks like he could be in some Target ad with uh, polo shirts or something. Target ads, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's gonna kick your ass, bro. <laughs> At least. <laughs> yeah, and then um, yeah, and the guy you picked for your latest book. Yeah, the history and future of black people. This guy sounds like Morgan Freeman. He, and I talked to him on the phone because before I got into it, I wanted to make sure that whoever did this, and I wanted to be a black person because I wanted to, to, to feel more authentic. And I'm not hiding that I'm a white guy, obviously. It's right there on the back of the book. I'm a white guy. I'm not trying to fool anybody. But I wanted to have both aspects so people could feel comfortable both ways. And so I called him on the phone because I want to make sure that he didn't get halfway through and go, well, hell no, I'm not doing this book because it could be a book where somebody says, I don't want to put my name on that because his name will now, whether this book's successful or not, his name is forever going to be attached to this book as being the person who reads the audio. doesn't mean he necessarily endorses it. Because I'm, matter of fact, I think he told me he's a socialist, which is definitely not what I endorse. So I have a problem <laughs> with that. He was, he was just a good, he was just a good author or uh, narrator rather. And sounds really good. Uh-huh. I think people love it. Yeah, for sure, man. And Someday uh, I need to do a book where I'm going to have guy with kind of a slightly almost is he Mexican or is he one of those fake Mexican? And I'll have you do the narration for me. Fuck yeah. I'll be like, I eat tacos. <laughs> I watch football. <laughs> He'll know you're faking. You never even been to Mexico, you dumbass. <laughs> is, is, is the, the history and future of all Mexicans. All Mexicans. <laughs> That, it, that we've talked about that before, but I, I don't know. I mean, we, it, it's kind of in there because I do talk about Latinos and, and, and Hispanics and how the fact that we talked about the before, just passing over this, I'm sure we're trying to wrap it up, but how you have all the Central Americans and South Americans and the Mexicans always talking about, hey, I'm Latino, hey, I'm a Hispanic. But the problem is that is the conquerors of your people, if you think about it. That's mm-hmm. the people who came here in the 1400s and literally raped your ancestors. And now you're saying, hey, I'm Latino and I'm Hispanic. You should be saying bullshit. I want to figure out how to speak Inca and Mayan and, and, and Aztec. And I want to, 
you know, sacrifice people in the in the fire gods and stuff, whatever it is. I want to eat their hearts. <laughs> Maybe we won't go that far, but yes, we'd be better to get back to your original culture than to adopt the Spanish culture, I think. Hey, uh, have you heard of the Mexican dish? It's a soup called pozole. No, I think I've seen you talking to somebody about that somewhere in the Facebook, but I didn't follow it completely. Yeah, so it has hominy, uh, pork, and like oxtail and stuff. Uh, very delicious. Uh, but actually, that started from the Aztecs when they sacrificed somebody. They didn't just let the meat go to waste. They would make food and everybody would eat pozole out of the meat. The, the, the human they sacrificed, they would make pozole out of him and they would all eat him. Mm. And so when the Spanish came, they're like, hey, you know, that's, that's a pretty interest, interesting dish. But they replaced human meat with pork. Oh, it's brutal. It's probably more disgusting. Now, <laughs> with the Aztecs, did they sacrifice their own people, like some virgin with, you know, like their young princess, or were they capture uh, somebody in a war, like we talked about earlier, and, and sacrifice them? Do you know? Um, I, well, if you watch the movie Apocalyptic, uh, yeah, by uh, what's the guy, the same guy who did uh, the Jesus movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the in that movie, they make it look like they sacrificed other tribes they kidnapped. But from what I read, uh, they would sacrifice their own people. And actually, they looked at it as an honor. Like, oh, my God, you're going to sacrifice me to our gods. Like, I'm so honored, you know? Yeah. Well, I yeah. don't know. It'd be interesting. We'll study. Somebody should do a book on it someday, maybe. The, the history of uh, the rape culture. <laughs> the history of the conquistadors. And tacos. Well, uh, okay, eat the door tacos. and really small and print and tacos. So you're always making fun of me for my white people tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I love your white people tacos, bro. So here <laughs> we go. Yeah, as we see, here, here's two people from completely different cultures getting along just fine. We don't give a shit about whether I'm white or you're Hispanic or you we don't even know how Hispanic you are or how white I am. We, we don't give a crap about that somehow. And I get some black people say, well, you didn't have all this shit done to you. And, and well, neither did you. I talk about this in the book and we're getting ready to get in, in, I'm sure. But anybody born after the sixties, for the most part, didn't have the same shit done to them. That was done to their parents and their grandparents. We don't have the same complaint mm. at some point. What point do we get beyond this? I don't know. Will it, will it require a, another civil war? Will it require like a black revolution. I, I don't know what it's going to require. I just like to know. I once asked a person, I said, it's not really about justice, is it? It's about revenge. And he finally admitted, yeah, it is about revenge. I said, well, then how do I know when revenge is, is satisfied? Because usually revenge causes more revenge from another side. Oh, yeah. It never ends. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. And I don't know the answer. I just, I, I don't know how we get to that point. It seems like it's worse now than it has been. And not because Donald Trump, it was before him during him and now here we got another guy and it's still going on so mm -hmm. it has really nothing to do who's sitting in the white house there's something else going on and our new guy sounds kind of confused he kind of sounds like by the go you know the you know the thing <laughs> you know how we talk about it. are we the people yeah <laughs> yeah cue it up i'm falling up the stairs laughing about that <laughs> don't make oh, me man. let my dog bite you <laughs> Always a great time with you, Rod. All right. um, yes, yes. When can where can people find your book, bro? Or all can, your books? They can find all my books at RodrickE.com. Don't firebomb me when you get there because there's all kinds of stuff there. You just pick what you like. 
is don't pick what you don't like and just move on. But there it is. Or you can go to Amazon.com, put in Roderick Edwards, and you'll see me there. Sweet. RoderickE.com, also available on Amazon, Roderick Edwards. And I'd like to thank you again, man, for coming on. It's always a blast with you, bro. It's always great to be on this show. And I, and I think of this show as like my, my home show, the show that I go back to when I really want to go home. So I appreciate it. I appreciate that, bro. That's that's very deep. No, no. It's all right. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you. you. Have a good one, bro. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. What is the most dangerous book you have ever read? How about Mein Kampf by the notorious leader of the Nazis, Adolf Hitler? Or the book the Beatles warn us about in their classic song, Revolution? Quotations from Chinese Communist leader, Chairman Mao. Maybe you would hide your copy of Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Or even semi-fictional works like Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses. That book had him living in hiding from angry Muhammad followers. But what about a book that is most likely not only dangerous to own and read, but could very well be illegal in many countries? Roderick Edwards' book, How to Overthrow Our Government, takes the reader on a historical and hypothetical journey of revolutions, civil war, and sedition. From ancient Chinese farmers turning their farm tools into weapons, to the attempted impeachment of the U.S. President Trump, this book has it all. Get it today before it's banned forever. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just go with that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit you know what i mean and uh yeah just check out my youtube and uh twitter it's at screaming chewy yeah not screaming chewy show 
I should change it to that. But for now, it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.